Solutionist Thinking is presented by RB. For more in this series, visit life.primemedia.co.za. Today's Solutionist Thinker started her career as a dentist, and I suppose frustrated after years of looking at people's cavities, she went on to do an MBA, as many people in the engineering sorts of disciplines do. And what is dentistry if not a complicated and really expensive engineering of your mouth, of course? She got the MBA and has since then had a varied career in academia and in consulting. Tashmir Ismail is the chief executive of the Youth Employment Service, a joint initiative between business and government to address youth unemployment in South Africa to try and create within three years one million work experiences. Tashmir Ismail has been tasked by President Cyril Ramaphosa to help save the country. Giving young people pathways and opportunities is more important than your vote. That is our country's future. And these inclusive models, that investment in a community, is what is going to determine the future of the country. I'm Bruce Whitfield, and you are listening to Solutionist Thinking, brought to you by RMB. The clock is ticking. Can you hear a great big clock ticking in your head, Tashmir, as well? Because three years was three or four months ago. You're ready got two and a half years to create the million jobs. Yes, I, I've, I've taken to breathing exercises. <laughs> the, the million jobs is, um, is hanging over us, but we do understand that outside of the million jobs are another five million youth jobs that need to be created. And so every time I think a million is big, I think how big six million unemployed youth are. So the million is not really optional. We must make it work. What is the genesis of YES? If you take a look at South Africa's economic growth, when we have growth, we, we don't create a huge number of jobs. This is the industrial concentration. The companies that grow and lead the economy grow with algorithms, they grow with efficiencies, and they grow in urban centers. The bulk of our GDP growth centers around Durban, Cape Town, and Johannesburg, largely Gauteng leaving large tracts of the population who live in townships, who live in peri-urban and rural areas, are completely locked out of that economic growth. And compounding this problem is an educational system that we told by grade four has something like 78% of young people not being able to read with comprehension. So the school system's not sort of pushing out young people that are able to follow entrepreneurial pathways or pathways into vocational and artisanal uh, um, careers where they're able to fend for themselves or create new SMEs. In fact, if you look at our SME sector, which is usually um, the place where the largest amount of GDP and jobs are created, I mean, you want to be almost at... 85, 90% of SMEs leading the way in terms of employment and GDP. And we simply don't have that. Uh, we're closer around the 50% mark. I spoke to an economist the other day who said to me, South Africa's cruelest hoax is telling young people that they need to go out and start their own businesses. They must go out and start their own micro enterprises. They don't have the startup capital, whether it be 100, 1,000 or 100,000 rand. And they're just not equipped with the basic skills. The vast majority of people would look at that and say, you can't win give up and simply focus on the ivory tower in Santon and make as much money as you possibly can and put another six layers of bricks on your garden wall and hire a security guard. That's not a solution. 
And the data is in on that. If you take a look at Credit Suisse, which is the heartbeat of capitalism, so this is not coming from some left-wing, uh, you know, tree hugger. Uh, if you take a look at Credit Suisse, two, I think it was the 2016 uh, Global Wealth Data Report, which they they put out every few years. Uh, you know, their reports were that global inequality is possibly the greatest stunter to global growth. There comes a point in an economy where you simply cannot move forward and have an economically prosperous private sector if you have cut over half of the population out of economic participation. There may be a period where you can sort of wing it and, and get away with that kind of inequality, but it does soon catch up. And uh, we're fast reaching that point. It's <laughs> arguable that we're, we're past that point of no return. I mean, the, the consequences of 350 years of colonial-style government in South Africa, exclusion, and we have a democratic dispensation which has delivered a democratic but not an economic dividend in South Africa. And we keep running the risk of doing things the same way and hoping that growth is going to take us out of the mix. But we've gone nowhere in 10 years. The population is growing faster than the economy. We're going backwards. We're not even stagnating anymore. Mm-hmm. So we have to think about this differently. So how is YES tackling this issue, this monumental task of youth unemployment differently? We look at the texture of the unemployed. We look uh, not just at white papers and big macroeconomic variables, but really going into communities and understanding what is there. And on the half glass empty, which you've started with today, uh, you know, yes, we have this um, educational system that um, doesn't give people a certificate that is worth much currency or a market signal of the capability of a young person. Yes, we have very high unemployment rates. And of course, the youth unemployment in these communities is, is even higher. Bushback Ridge, we always talk about the number, 73% uh, female unemployment. But if you look a little bit deeper, um, science uh, saves. We ha- are now investigating um, psychographic, gamific- gamified tech that allows us to um, more deeply analyze what a young person's capabilities are in the absence of market signals that we accept, like certification or experience. And what we're finding from global examples is there are hugely competent people with the abilities that match MBA entrance. Uh, I mean, this is an actual piece of data from a mm. company operating in India that does these gamified um, assessments. They take underprivileged kids from communities as pipeline for their training programs and have uh, tested their scores against MBA entrance in Europe from uh, consulting firms. The distribution on capability is the same. In fact, on some same subjects, the underprivileged kids from these communities outperform. It's a marginal outperformance, but outperform these MBA applicants. So it's not capability, it's pathway. So that's the first piece. We've got raw material there. They are incredibly capable people. How do we start to give them pathways? And here again is where technology makes the big difference. If we look at a community that is geographically cut off, technology allows us to leapfrog that liability. And so we start to develop pathways that didn't exist 
10, 15 years ago. I would argue if we had to look at this problem 10 or 15 years ago, it would seem intractable. But looking at it today, the opportunities are actually exciting. We don't sleep anymore because we're so excited about the types of jobs we can create. Let's give, let's, let's put, uh, put an example to this. Uh, two weeks ago, I flew over Mpumalanga in a helicopter, which was very exciting. The view was not as exciting. You fly over Kruger and uh, you look at the borders of the park and there are communities at the border of the park. I must say all brick houses because they're built with remittance money, but an entire absence of commerce, of economic activity. It's important at this point to tell everyone who's listening that you, this is part of your study. This is yes. part of your expertise. This is what you did your MBA on. You talked and you, and you, you taught on this at Gibbs when you were there. Um, and, and you talked ab- about the bottom of the pyramid. You talked about opportunities that are existing in communities that big business simply doesn't see. Yes. So you've got a fundamentally different understanding of the potential of communities that have little or no economic activity. Absolutely. So these, these communities, um, there are companies that have seen in, in the past few years, I mean, we'd argue that the Unilevers and Nestle's of this world, that is their top line growth market. But today with Yes, uh, we talk about inclusive growth, inclusive economy, and have moved away from this consumerist model of seeing opportunity for big business just in terms of um, a, a new basket you know, to be captured. Mm. What we're saying to companies through Yes is that if you embrace an inclusive business model, you can start to turn your BEE spend into an innovation spend. Because remember, what Yes does for you is uh, gives you a level up on your BEE scorecard for the creation of a certain number of jobs. And we're saying the opportunity here is when these jobs happen, Use them to integrate your brand more deeply into a community. We have companies that are so excited and thrilled by their route to market and that they actually get onto a Spaza store shelf. Now, if you stand in front of a Spaza store shelf, it's eeny, meeny, miny, mo, and most of the time it is dependent on price and not brand experience. And honestly, one washing powder does exactly the same as the other on the shelf. But what we find communities who are seeing goods and services as largely commoditized, what they're looking for, particularly in low-income communities, what is the value add that I get with your brand? How do you connect to me and connect into my community? And what value are you adding over and above your washing powder or your bread spread or your deodorant and that is where future competitive advantage is going to be so you're flying in your helicopter over kruger park and you're looking at these brick built houses in small communities disconnected it would seem from the rest of the world isolated with no economic activity now you have a particular lens on this but many people they would look at that and say well that's a disaster Yes, yeah, so you'd, you'd look at the, the aesthetics of it, as my daughter would say. The aesthetic is not appealing uh, because you have this beautiful, lush park the size of Holland, and then you have these gray uh, tin roofs around it. Zero linkage. And the lens that uh, I, I think you refer to is my obsession with linkages, that when you link formal and informal economies, when you link um, large firms and global best practice into communities, the spillover goes way beyond uh, product sales. The spillover goes into the know-how and increasing the competitiveness of local business. What it also does 
is it starts to get small enterprises. When you talk linkage, small enterprises start to export. Now, we don't have to talk about South Africa exporting globally yet. We're just saying, can communities start to build industries that can export just beyond the border of the community? So we see Sangeeta, we see uh, Richard Branson's Lodge as we fly over. And we start to ask, where do they get, you know, I, I mean, I love a good salad. And I imagine the people staying at Richard Branson's Lodge in Sangeeta are, are looking for, you know, a, a really beautifully constructed, that's the word we'd use, constructed salad. And where are they getting their lettuce leaves? It's all being trucked in from, you know, distances. So here's where we start to get inclusive. Here's where we start to do linkage. And as much of a problem as big business has got in dealing with communities and dealing with micro enterprises and the complexity of creating these new supply chains and creating these linkages, so many people who are in these communities struggle to see the opportunity because if you're living on a state grant, for example, you don't have the luxury of a dream always. Here is where we start to get very scientific and frontier science with with what YES is trying to do. So first, there's the economic studies that we need to do. We need to know the big variables. The next layer is what is the texture within the Excel spreadsheets. The third layer is to start to examine mindset because as much as we talk about big business needing to embrace inclusive models and there's a big mindset shift that needs to happen, the largest ROI with YES, the largest ROI for a business is in Investment in communities. Uh, what we are now saying, and please listen carefully. Pay attention. <laughs> giving young people pathways and opportunities is more important than your vote. That is our country's future. And these inclusive models, that investment in a community is what is going to determine the future of the country. And shifting mindset needs to happen both at the top end around how businesses see themselves and not as islands, but that they need to be integrated into this ecosystem. And at community level, this lethargy, the sense I, I, of hopelessness. I, is, it, is it lethargy? I mean, lethargy's got, is, a, lethargy's got a, a deliberate sort of sense to it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, I call it just desperation. So this is, well, this is the spiral. This is the, the depression spiral. So this is the psychology component. This is where we need to look at the soft stuff. The soft stuff matters. When you look at the research around young people who have young children, who are cut out of the economy, who wake up every morning and have nowhere to go. This is, these are people who don't even have the money to photocopy a CV, let alone the data and the knowledge and the know-how to put it out. And what do they put on a CV? And to right. get You've to fallen the pl- out of school. To, to get to the place, to get to the computer that allows you to type, to, to create the CV, to be able to send the CV. I mean, so much that we sit in our ivory towers in Santon or Claremont or whether you're in Umtlango, wherever you are, that we take for granted as being perfectly normal. Yes. It's not normal. It, it's not normal. And... I mean, even if you do have an internet cafe up the road with a, a shop, you know, 21 year old who's going to help you, you know, navigate the internet and, uh, and get your CV out there, there, there is nothing to put on the CV. Tell me how you hope yes is going to get over these obstacles. But how do we get to this audacious goal? What the research is telling us is that technical skills in a job are not the most important. What actually works 
and gives you a good placement and a good a good career is your mindset. Optimistic people who pitch on time, who have what we call, with our favorite word, grit and perseverance, and they're able to get into a job and really put everything into it. That's what determines a good placement. The mindset piece we have got, I'm very excited to say, an LSE Masters in Behavioral Sciences who worked in the UK Nudge Unit joining our team. And we are going to be doing a lot of messaging. The, the, the latest research is telling us in poverty and development is telling us that a lot is mindset based and unlocking mindset is the first step to getting people to enter. There is natural creativity. There is natural assets sitting in our human resource in these communities. And it's about unlocking them, rethinking what education looks like. We deliver it digitally. We deliver it through hybrid programs with community interfaces. It's about short courses. 70% of the Swiss don't go to university. Highest GDP per capita in the world always in the top five most innovative countries. You don't need university. You need to give people short courses that get them job ready, put them in, just allow them to start showing you their abilities. That's the plan. Taking technology, hydroponics, aquaponics, digital, that Impumalanga community we're talking about, they are going to digitize all the Kruger experiences, the meals you have, the rooms available, photographs of trails and hikes. You don't need to be a coder to be in the digital economy. And so by applying um, a fourth industrial at the consumer end, we're actually finding, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom about fourth industrial disintermediating, you know, millions of people. But what we're finding is that if you use it cleverly, it actually Pathways, people. I was about to say it creates that pathway. Virtual that pathways, connection. virtual railroads. It's all very easy sitting where we sit in the studio in Santon and you have the buy-in of a 100 CEOs of the top companies, maybe even more. And that's great. We can do this in Santon. Brilliant. But South Africa is a vast landscape. We need somehow to get those pathways permeating the country and creating opportunities. We're saying to companies that join, yes, because the targets for some of the big JSE listed firms are high. We're talking, you know, 3,000 jobs, 2,500 jobs. These cannot be absorbed um, into their infrastructure. And so we have what we call an SMME placement and a micro enterprise, a new micro enterprise model. So this is to drive the growth of SMEs. So those jobs that these companies create aren't necessarily in their own infrastructure or in their own business on their payroll. They're in communities driving the kinds of opportunities we've been discussing, giving young people research jobs, go around and really get us deep consumer insights from inside the community in a language the community understands, sent to us via emoji. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's how we capture data today. It's all real time. It's live. That is a job. It might be paid for by MTN up here in Santon or RMB up here in Santon. It's linked to the company. It's linked into their value chain. But the job that the young person may be doing is quite distant from the, the Santon office. So there are ways to link in a very creative manner jobs that still add value into your sector but might not necessarily be in your company. So when we say job for job, these large target companies are, are getting creative with, yes, we're holding design thinking workshops with them to look at the sorts of value chains we can map in communities. We're going region by region. And of course, Mpumalanga is one of the first. Yesterday, I met the Sawmill and Pulp Association. So meeting all the sexy people in our economy. And they've got beautiful plans in the Eastern Cape where they say around uh, their businesses, unemployment's up to 89 
9%. So we're almost feeling a shift in consciousness where the businesses that are coming to us are seeing the potential and excitement around inclusive business and really working on design-led thinking around how we start to solve these problems. So really getting out of the box and creative with the jobs. And ultimately, it's a question of sustainability. It's a question of self-preservation. I mean, for years, the corporate sector in South Africa has done precisely the thing of of creating lagers and building up the walls and thinking that that was the key to Mm self-preservation. Self-preservation in the long term in South Africa is about sharing. Mm-hmm. But you can share without giving away. You can share by creating prosperity, mm-hmm. which is mutually beneficial. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I must bring global examples in. If you look at the great exponential businesses, if you look at something like Slack, if you look at Alibaba, if you look at Amazon, uh, Airbnb, any business that has thrived has become a platform business. And that is about open innovation. That is the strength of my business lies in the partnerships and networks that I build, which is very different from the 70s and 80s, you know, resource-based view of the firm, which is I must hold everything inside. Today, we understand that in a connected economy, you cannot have a thriving business if you try to do it all internally. The power of business today, the power is in the network because there's there's no chance that you can keep up with the speed of the connections of ideas that happen via a global network inside of one entity. Do you ever talk to your younger self in the mirror and say, it would have been so much easier with the comforting sound of a dentist's drill and one of those little picky things that dentists use to find holes in your teeth. Nobody would talk back to you because you've got your hands in their mouth. You think to yourself, Boy, that would have been easier. Never. You know, if things are easy, they're done. And there is a complexity and messiness to solving our problems. It is not going to be easy, but we have to embrace that. And if we don't do it together, this is the first time, Bruce, we have government, business, labor, civil society on one platform. Not a single one of these constituencies can argue with giving a young person a chance. It is a goal that we all buy into. Yes, there's complexity and messiness, but I would argue this is the best chance that we've got to do this together. And talking about the power of networks, it can only be done together. Tajmeh Ismail is the chief executive of the Yes Campaign, Youth Employment Service, destined to give young people work opportunities for the long term in South Africa. R&B presents Solutionist Thinking with Bruce Woodfield. For more on this series, visit 702.co.za.